0: I'm Martin Shipton, Chief Reporter of Media Wales, and you're listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. It's Martin Shipton, and today I'm with Sean Lewis, who is the Chief Executive of Eath Gorbaithe Cymru, which is the wealth youth organisation. Sean, you're a Cardiff lass, yes?
1: Yes, a Cardiff girl. I'm very proud of it as well, but a Cardiff the girl that wants to live in the barry by now. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> so you, you went to school in Cardiff?
1: Yes, um, I had my education in a school, called Bryntar, which was the only um, junior school in Cardiff at the time. And, you know, when it used to be in the parade down in town, we were bus there, about 700 of us every day, and it was very happy. Childhood, and I enjoyed school. It was a big school, but we didn't know any difference. And yes, I grew up in Llanedin. My parents had met in London as teachers, gone out to Zambia for three years to teach English out there. My brother and sister were born in Zambia. I always say I was conceived in Zambia, but I was born in Glossop Terrace in the you know, exclusive location by the Cardiff Royal Infirmary, what was the Royal Infirmary by now. And we lived in Clenedy for seven years. We're, you know Back in the 70s, children were sent out to play. Uh, my father had a very clear vision that children weren't allowed to watch a lot of telly. So we weren't never allowed to watch Saturday morning television and sent out to play with the neighbouring children and spent a very happy period in Llanedin um, and then moved on to Witchurch, and my parents still live there now and Witchurch was very close to a school Glantarf and I went on to then Glantarf as a secondary education enjoyed education a lot but I don't think I thrived um in Glantav certainly didn't, you know, achieve what I should have achieved there, maybe didn't work very hard. Wasn't really that interested, I think, in the in the subjects that were offered. And you know, I took my O levels back in 1986, I think. And I remember going down on yeah, you know, just turned sixteen in August going down to collect my certificate and realising that I hadn't done very well. And you know, the the concern was not oh my god i, I you know uh, this is not great uh, my major concern was how was i going to tell my parents that were teachers that their daughter had failed her o levels quite miserably um, so i decided the best form of practice or defense for me was to ring my father and, you know, Glantarve is only in Clandiff North and I only live in it so it takes about quarter of an hour to get home. But there was a kiosk, and still is a kiosk, across the road from Glantarve, and I put my five pence down. I said, I can't speak very long, just to say I haven't done that well. So I remember my father saying, you know, get back home now. And it took the longest half an hour to walk back to the house, and I don't actually remember being told off And I asked my parents recently, you know, don't remember you and dad being cross with me? And they said, well, Shan, you didn't work. You know, and we knew as teachers you wouldn't do very well. So I think I used to go to my bedroom, close the door, and listen to music and not revise. You know, so had I had a a GCSE in the lyrics of the Smiths or the Cure or Bronx Beat or Eurasia, I would have had a lot of A stars. But um, so there we go. So that was Glantar for me.
0: That was up to the age of 16. Mm. What did you
1: do then? Well, I actually went back to school to re and miraculously, they allowed me to start my A-levels. Um, I had been past passed the O-levels that I was taking A-levels in, but after about three months, I remember sat in Mrs Ogwen's Welsh class, because I was doing A-level Welsh, and, I, you know, it didn't interest me at all. And she was talking about the Pedro kink Kamabinogi, which had no relevance in my life or where I wanted to go. And I remember thinking at that time, I think it's it's time to leave school. So I resat, passed my old levels, did a bit more work, stopped listening to music in the room, and um, decided that really I had to look for another kind of avenue of education. And, you know, it still surprises me now that school do not, you know, A-levels isn't for everybody, and even now, young people aren't told um, of other opportunities, so, you know, I went on to further education, and, you know, I feel, um, possibly, I, I, I failed at school because I wasn't sent to the right direction of my learning path, really, and, you know, um, I remember going down to the careers teacher's room, and, explained to Mr Jeffries that I wanted to go to further ed and that was almost like a swear word in Glantarve that we would think of such a thing rather than staying on to A-levels and he was looking for the prospectus and he couldn't find it. It wasn't on the walls, along with your Oxford and, you know, Exeter and Reading and Aberystwyth. But there was the prospectus of Romney College at the bottom of Mr is table, stopping the table from shaking. And that kind of summed up what Mr Jeffreys thought of, the, of you know, further education. But it was called Romney College in those days. And it was back in where I, my junior school was, which was on the old Brintarve location in the parade in town and I must say those were the happiest you know two years of my educational life.
0: What did you become? Again? College Havering? Yes yeah, so uh... it
1: came to College Havering when we were there and I was actually on the prospectus of that college very bleach blonde hair and a temperature to remember but um I was did at BTEC in business studies there for two years and it was a great experience I think you know the the vision of how they taught us then 30 years ago now is still much more forward thinking than a BA level course and it was what I needed. It was practical and also an academic base. So um and you know I made lots of new friends there. In Glantarve. I was very happy. I was friends with everybody in Glantarve. but I went to Remney College and I met a more diverse background of young people, you know, we, one girl I was friends with, friends with she was on the verge of having an arranged marriage back in Greece, you know, and one had come from Hong Kong and living in Loudoun Square, another was from Ely, and was struggling financially from a one-parent family, so it gave me a much more diverse background of young people than I had maybe glanced of. And I thrived. I did very well there. Um, I enjoyed the course. I wanted to learn. And, you know, I, I would recommend further education to anybody. I will forever be grateful to Rumney College for what they offered me. When, then went on to do a HND in Cardiff Met. Then went on to finish a degree course in business and did a postgrad in the University of Glamorgan in HR studies and I realised after doing that I never wanted to be in HR after I finished. So I finally ended up where I needed to be or where I thought I'd be educationally wise, but it was a different path than maybe what my brother and sister had done and and maybe what a lot of my friends had done as well.
0: And what did you get into in terms of work afterwards?
1: Well, I left after the post-grad course, just looking for work. And I'd always been a grafter with work. I, you know, I was selling Jane Hodge bingo cards um, in Whitchurch when I was thirteen, babysitting every opportunity, working in pubs and cafes, lots of different jobs. I liked to earn some money. You know, I liked the feeling of being independent, of being able to buy myself. What I wanted, where I wanted, being able to pay to go to concerts, where I wanted and the rest of it. So um, I wasn't out of work very long. I remember having a phone call from, I was over the summer having a phone call from Flick TV at the time. Gwenda Griffiths rang Flick and they were just looking for somebody to kind of just temp to come in temp and do some research work. So within half an hour, I was down in Westgate Street in the office, and that week's work turned into a month, and the month turned into six months, and I was with Flick by the end for about a year, and I enjoyed that experience, you know, because Gwenda Griffiths was probably the first woman, the first female boss I'd seen, you know, and my head teachers had been male, um, the principal of the college, had been a man, um, and she was the first kind of dynamic woman I'd seen in business, she was quite strong-willed, she was working in an environment where, you know, it was still quite male-dominated, at the hierarchy, and, you know, I was in awe of her, really, because I'd come in, I was quite frightened of her at the time, because she had, a very strong um, and a strict way of working. But she was successful, and Flick was successful, and people respected her. And so quietly, I'd sit there, <laughs> like a twenty-two-year-old, just observing and listening and learning from her, really. And then through Flick came an opportunity to work in the Earth in Conway Road, just in the nights helping to run the youth's clubs there. And then the guy that was doing the kind of development officer job full time had left, and I went for that job, and I worked for the Earth for eight years. And they were extremely happy years again working in Conway Road on my own. I was the warden of Conway Road as well as the development officer for South Glamorgan in those days. And great opportunity because really I was allowed to do what I wanted. Um so we had, you know, a, a timetable of events that we had to organise, including the residential camps, including, you know, the earth clubs and the sports competitions. But then I was also allowed to develop some of my own ideas and we established the first football club, the first Welsh football club in Cardiff at the time, that was the beginning of the 90s and we'd have almost 100 young boys and girls on Llander Fields every Saturday morning and a lot of young people working for us then, helping to run the club. We had a netball club going on in the youth centre. and in those days, Aaron Ramsay used to be a member of the club and come down every Saturday um, and take part in the competitions then in Pentirch or whatever that were going on across kind of South Wales. But I had the opportunity to really offer what I would have wanted as a child in Cardiff. So we did a lot of activity during the school holidays, we did a lot of activity in evenings, and I was looking again for that kind of more diverse member. So a lot of young children from the Trigana and the, you know, Coidecalf School would engage in Rug as well as our kind of core audience as well. And, you know, we, we, we'd have a lot of trips. We'd take them everywhere. And that's when I was single, child-free. And, you know, I, I worked a lot of hours, but I enjoyed it. so um, And I worked in the air for eight years. As well as being a development officer, I was the kind of re- um, deputy regional director as well by the end of my time there.
0: You've explained that you had actually quite a diverse background because of the, from Welsh language point of view, perhaps rather unconventional route that you took in education. To what extent were you aware in Cardiff, where you come from, of a language divide between the minority of Welsh Mm. speakers and the majority of monoglot English speakers? Yes,
1: well, you know, we were aware of it, I think. In Brintav, wasn't in the parade when I started Brintav, I was actually in part of a school in Gabalva. And I remember my only memory, you know, looking back when I was about four or five, was stood by the gates that divided the Welsh school and the English school. And they would shout out Welshies and we would shout back English. And I didn't really understand what it meant, but I would just copy everything, everybody else. So we kind of knew there was a slight divide there, you know. And also, you know, in in Llanedin, we grew up and nobody spoke Welsh in Llanedin, you know. Um so we were very well aware we maybe you know young young people that or children that maybe it's like different you know because in in the 70s in cardiff you knew everybody that spoke welsh i remember when my mother used to take me and my sister to town on saturday when in those days i only dress up to go to town shop with your mother if there was anybody speaking welsh my mother would turn around and she would recognize them and know of them and it's so refreshing now to you know Go in, you know, around the city and, you know, hear the Welsh language being spoken by young staff behind the bar or in the restaurant or in the cinema. And I see that young people are proud of their Welsh language skills by now, I mean, and putting worth into it as well and, and making use of them.
0: And yet even so, there remains, particularly perhaps in the more working class areas of Cardiff, uh, not perhaps a hostility, but a suspicion of the Welsh language in some, within some people's <laughs> minds.
1: Yes, but I think as a Cardiffian who's been here for almost fifty years, I th- I think that things have changed for the better. Yes, there is still that hostility, um, perhaps, but much better. The situation is much better than it was, you know, thirty, forty years ago. You know, there are almost 20 Welsh language schools in Cardiff now to compare with the one that I was in, in the 70s. So, you know, and the Welsh language growth wouldn't be if we just remained with those Welsh speakers. You know, Welsh language growth or educational growth is because non-Welsh-speaking families are sending their children to Welsh schools. And if it wouldn't be for them, there wouldn't be a growth in the language. So, and I think we have to you know, work harder to raise their awareness of what, you know, being bilingual of what kind you know what skill it gives you and you know what are the plus points of doing that there's still work to be done but I think the situation as somebody that's lived in Cardiff for my life is much better than it was 30 40 years ago so
0: after quite a few years with the earth then went and worked for mentoridi mm-hmm. yeah, explain well what Welsh that is. yes
1: mentaldi there's a Welsh language initiative predominantly they're all funded by Welsh government to start off with and to enable organizations to create community feel of the Welsh language in their areas to create opportunities where not just young people but adults, Welsh learners, younger children, young families can access Welsh language activities. I was with Mentacati for 16 years. can't actually believe I was there so long but again I was very happy there and we were continuing to develop throughout the Time I was there, I started Mental Cardiff. We received thirty-six thousand pound funding from Cardiff Council, and that was our only turnover. By the time I left, our turnover was three quarters of a million, and we'd ha- worked very hard to get more funding from Welsh Government to apply for grants to create our own income through activity, and to develop a, a great working relationship with Cardiff Council. That t- took some years, but we got there eventually. And you know, Cardiff Council were a great support and still are. To the work of Mentor Cadid, so um and through Mentor they I know many years into Mentor Cadid, we established Tavoil and I'm very proud of you know what Tafyl is by now. I remember years ago we scoped to Aberystwyth for networking events with Mentor Ieth, and some of the other Mentor Iaith across Wales are starting to organise kind of festivals to celebrate the Welsh language in their community. And I remember um chap called Marion Davis who still works for Mentor Ieth Carnoy he was discussing Tlana Tlannruz, which was an initiative to organise in the middle of Tlannruz Square, uh, an act, a weekend of activity to engage with you know everybody across the community to to celebrate the language, and I remember driving back from Aberystwyth that night, and I thought, good God, you know. If Llanrhus can organise a festival, we have to start doing something in Cardiff, you know, putting something together. And that's where the idea of Tarfoil first came and, you know, I was inspired by listening to Marion and what they were doing up in North Wales. So we organised a kind of public meeting to discuss Tarfoil, or discuss creating a Welsh language festival in Cardiff and to see whether there was a, a call for it and some support for it. And we organised a... Uh, a meeting in Churchill's that isn 't there now, and we had about eighty people come, a lot of them people that worked in the Welsh language sector in, in Cardiff, but also a lot of people that wanted to see something happen. We discussed the possibility and from that you know we we decided that we were going to try to put together a festival and we asked you know, the Cardiffians of you know to think of a name that we could call this Welsh language festival, and somebody came up with the idea of calling it tavoil. Um, which obviously Tarve is the river and Goil means festival in Welsh. And that's where we started. So tarf Oil started as a small project in the mochindee We we had a two and a half thousand pound fund from Cardiff Council to establish tarf Oil. We got some sponsorship in as well. But it grew, outgrew it's place in the mochindee after about three years and I kept going back to Cardiff Council and saying Please, can we look at a new location for tavoil You know, and at that time there was resistance, um, to support you know any Welsh language initiatives really, in in the city, you know, in those days. And thankfully, things have changed drastically in the council by now. But in those days, you know, there was reluctance and re- resistance to the Welsh language. I remember going into an, a, a meeting where I was again kind of trying to propose this, um, thought of having tavoil at the castle. And I remember as I walked in, um, one of the senior officers that worked for the events team at the time shouted out at me. And he said, oh, here she comes, the Welsh Nash has arrived. And, you know, there were about seven people in that room that cried on laughing with him. And, you know, obviously he was derogatory to the language. He was quite insulting to me. I didn't say anything, you know, and I, I just kind of observed and again put my case forward, um, it was rejected and in fairness it was the, with the support of Neil McAvoy that was leading Cardiff Council with the Lib Dems at the time that Tavoil managed to actually get to the castle. And I often think to that that older man that, you know, sent those derogatory remarks at me that I actually had the last laugh. Tawil did get to the council and we did get some more support eventually from Cardiff Council to make sure that it is a festival now. That is one of the main events of the calendar in Cardiff.
0: Why do you think it is that that negativity still exists? Not nearly as much as it used to, but it's still there, isn't it? Why do you yeah, think that is?
1: Some do people don't want change. They've got selective funding. You know, they've got a, a pot of funding. They don't always want to change how they fund things. Uh, the fear of change. We still have to do a lot of work in raising awareness of the worth of what we put on. It's just not for Welsh speakers. Well, Tavoyle was to raise the profile of the Welsh language in Cardiff to engage with a new audience, to get um, non-Welsh speakers, people in, to see that you know, the Welsh language community has very open arms to welcome anybody in that wants to either learn the language or respect the language. With
0: Tavoyle, obviously, to a considerable extent... Uh, one of the most important features is the music Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, from my own observation I would say that there has been a problem sometimes with children attending Welsh medium schools who uh, will speak uh, the language within the school but then outside they don't Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's to do with uh, what is regarded as cool Mm -hmm. and uh, what I also see is that with uh, some of the bands that you have at Tavoil, they're, they're very popular with mm. young people who maybe are in that position where they come from English-speaking backgrounds but go to a Welsh medium school. But the, the Welsh rock music scene, if you like, and mm. the folk music scene, mm. is something that can actually help them to make that
1: mm. fuller,
0: Commitment yeah, to the language. Yeah. Is that your observation? I, th- I think
1: too? things have improved in regards to the number of young people that have started to re engage with the Welsh scene and the mus- you know, the Welsh language music scene is, you know, essential to that. Club barbach was, you know, with a lot of people in the in the nineties and and following that, you know enjoyed going and socialising because of what was on offer there. And I think one of the success stories of travel is seeing a young audience there, and they not because they're forced to be there, but because they've arranged to go there themselves with their friends, and they see worth to it and they enjoy it. With Mice beef, the the National word, well, that's you know another success story. The MySpace brand is a very strong brand that young people want to be engaged in. So, um, you know, there are good things. Yes, it's always a challenge to get young people from that kind of age of sixteen plus to engage with the language outside the school gates, because you know the majority of them English is their first language. Um, but we must provide as many opportunities as we can as as the EARTH and as a numerous services across Wales to make sure that there are those options for young people to engage in making use of their Welsh language outside the school gates.
0: So a couple of years ago, after many years' experience in both uh, the EARTH and Mentalk ID, the job came up as Chief Executive. Uh, and I suppose, given your experience, you'd have had to be seen as uh, one of the favourites when you applied for the role. Yeah. But obviously, being the Chief Executive gives you extra responsibility. Mm-hmm. What was the mission that you saw that you had when you uh, took that role and when you were pitching for the job?
1: Well, you know, my main mission, I think, with the Edmund Dream is to make sure that every child and young person in Wales will engage with our services somewhere during the educational path but more so our main mission is to make sure that people make use of their language skills outside the outside the school gates and i'm very proud of the Earth of offer we have a diverse program of activities that by now should engage with the majority of young people. We are very strong in the artistic scene. Um, We run one of the largest arts festivals in Europe for young people. We have an amazing community programme for sports across Wales. We organise a lot of national sports events that work very well. Um, you, you have amazing residential camps that people have had very fond memories of visiting so, you know, the, the earth is, is, yes, a very important, I think, an iconic symbol of Welshness in Wales. And what I want to see is have more people, young people engage with us um, as we move forward to our centenary. And to be current for the needs of the young people today. Make sure that their voices are heard and we listen to what they want to say and what they want to see develop our services. And they play a very main focus role in that
0: because I think, yes, it's in a couple of years' time, isn't it, when the centenary actually takes place. How has the organisation changed since it was established?
1: Oh, significantly, you know. I mean, by now, people don't know a lot about what the earth is about. We are the largest em- Welsh-language employer in the third sector in Wales. We employ over 320 staff. We have a turnover of almost 13000000 million. We're only dependent on 19% of that turnover from the public purse. And um, we create a lot of income ourselves. You know, we, four million young people have been members of the earth since it started. And today, you know, 60,000 young people are members of the earth. And that's probably one of the highest numbers that we've had in the last couple of decades. We have a thousand branches across Wales. And we offer a diverse programme of activities.
0: To what extent have you been able to penetrate English medium schools?
1: Well, people don't know about um, the air There's there more English medium schools um, attend the residential camps than the Welsh language schools, and and that's very important because. And I've recently um, worked very close with Kirsty Williams. There, we've received almost three million pound funding. The Education for, Minister. Yes, three million pound funding from her POT to support our vision to develop the earth centers in Llangrana and Ganslin, And one of the key focuses on that is, what, is that the, the centers are the first opportunity for Welsh learners to engage with the Welsh language seen outside the kind of the classroom. And a lot of people go from Llangrán and Llan with very positive memories of the Welsh language, fond memories, that hope they go back to the classroom and they engage and maybe thinking that the Welsh language is something that they want to engage in further on in their career. And um, a lot of people have learned Welsh because of the, the great opportunities and experience that they've had in Glanllyn and Llangrán.
0: And last year, of course, you made a trip, didn't you, to uh, the United States in connection with something of historic nature. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, well, we've created um, a global strategy for the Earth. And the Earth were going back to the Earth's core services back in the 30s and the 40s. Um, they were very involved in engaging on an international is we had um, numerous international camps in Aberystwyth in the earth and our members would go on cruises around Europe and engage with a lot of kind of pen palin and visits to a number of European cities. Um, so it's not something new for the earth to think internationally but on the eve of our centenary 22 I was very keen especially with the current political climate that we encourage our young people to be outward thinking. And, and look out and give them opportunities to engage and, and to promote the earth as a unique organisation outside Wales. We've created an international strategy. The, the opportunities that we offer young people will, will give them amazing opportunities to be great ambassadors, not only for the, the Welsh language outside Wales, but great ambassadors for the young people and great ambassadors for Wales. We went to Alabama back in with the, again with the Education Minister back in the summer to reconnect with a very interesting story where back in the civil rights movement in 63 um, the 16th Baptist Church was bombed and four young girls lost their lives and the only um, country in the world to reach out their hand of support to that 16th Baptist Church was Wales and the artist John Petz and the Western Mail were very prominent in making sure that the story was heard and they wanted to raise a target of about £500, pounds, I think, to the, for the artist to create a, uh, a window because every single window in the church was shattered because of the bomb. The young people of Wales had raised almost £900 pounds to give the artist John Petz enough funds to create a window and the window is of a black Christ reaching his hand out for that friendship and against the Ku Klux Klan, those that oppose the civil rights movement. And the, the window is still there now. So we went out to the 60th Baptist Church to almost open that hound of friendship back out to the young people of Alabama. And we met the mayor where we were out there and the youth service and also the university. And very interesting now, we have gained a new connection and partnership with the people, young people of Alabama where we will be inviting them back to Wales and also the young people of Wales going back out to Alabama and that's the purpose of our international strategy is to to not only offer the, that platform of opportunity for our young people to go out to be great ambassadors for Wales but to invite young people from across the world back into Wales to learn about our history and our culture and see as a youth service what we are doing for the young people of Wales and how we want our um how we want I think for our voice to be heard in that we you know we are a great movement offering great services
0: so at a time when uh, Britain is perhaps following a path of greater isolationism mm. coming out of Europe with brexit, uh, your vision for the earth is completely opposed to that.
1: Yes, and I think you know the earth has nurtured generations of young people to be proud of their language, proud of their country and their culture, also open to the world and, and the vision that we hold for the world. And through this international strategy that encompasses that very clearly. And the opportunities that we will offer and have been offering, you know, we have set a partnership up with... Um, Empower, a girls empowerment movement in Kenya. We have engaged with numerous schools across Japan. We are sending young people out now to Australia, to Sydney, to engage in a Welsh language scheme out there during the school holidays. We are taking our winner of the Esther to Cameroon to a literature festival soon. We are in taking some young people out to Brussels to engage in a partnership post-Brexit. Um, the winner of the Bryn Terrevel Award is going out to the US to show what's great about the Eisteddfod and, and the platform that we give off, off to young people. We are creating links with Ireland at the moment. So, you know, we are starting to engage and this is only the last six months. Those new engagements have create, been created and um, it's great opportunity for young people to, as I said, be great ambassadors for our country. Tell us about the peace message. Yes, the peace message, the peace and goodwill message of the earth has been in existence for almost 100 years. And um, when I came back in as the chief exec of the earth about uh, two years ago now, um, I really wanted to revive that message. I think it lost a bit of pace. Um, And it's been an important message and, and one of our core services since the start. So for almost 100 years, the young people of Wales have created a message almost resembling the current climate at the time, and sending that message out to the young people of the world and asking them to respond to the message. So the message is always created around this period of the year, which is of January and February period, and then it is um, promoted and sent out on the 18th of May every year. It started through Morse Code, then through the BBC World Service, and by now it's very prominent through the digital platform, and we, we're starting to make great steps in reviving that because by 2022, by our centenary, you know, the dream is to see the message reach 100 countries through 100 languages and a platform of almost a 100 million people seeing and sending and receiving the message. And I think that's possible. We need to work with a lot of people and we are starting to work with those partners which will help us um, promote the message and make sure that it does reach, you know, every circle across across the world really but the message in its time has been very prominent it's the message that we've had amazing responses back over the years and I remember reading a response we'd had back from um, the children and young people of Germany post the second world war and they had said something along the lines of you know thank you to the beyond people of Wales for reaching your hand of friendship out to us it's been a very dark place you know, and those messages, um, you know, across across the almost a hundred years now have been you know symbols of how young people can make a difference, how young people's voices should be heard, and we as a youth movement will make sure that through the peace equilibrium message we can promote that very effectively. Thank you very much Sean Lewis.
0: Thanks for listening to my podcast Martin Shipton Meets. We'll be back for more next week.